Well, we did it again, Bob. We waited a day, and this time we were foiled by rain. This time we had to sit out an hour and 40-minute rain delay, and it's guaranteeing that we are here in the middle of the week, or the start of our week, uh, in the middle of the night, recording Crossed Up, the latest in the Phillies podcast, following the Phillies' 5-1 loss to the New York Mets, and we're not in a good mood. I'm Anthony Sanfilippo. He's Bob Wankel. Let's just get right into it, Bob. I, not great, I, Anthony. No, it's not. It's it, <laughs> look. There's we could sit here and say there's a lot of you know caveats to this. They have a bunch of guys that are hurt. You know, this is this is not their regular lineup, et cetera, et cetera. But they they've not looked good for a while now. It really, I mean, it, it goes back to before the Florida series. Really, if you really want to look at it, even if they won two out of three against the Marlins, it was a struggle to win two out of three against the Marlins. And then from there, you know, the Mets series was not great. They won two. Again, they won two out of three, but you're like, yeah, not the greatest series against them. And then Colorado, they lose three or four. They lose tonight to the Mets. So it's just kind of, you know, a lot of snowballs, you know, rolling down the hill and, and merging into the one big avalanche that is a 12-9 and record through 21 games, which is not terrible. It's just that there's some things in there that are like red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, and we're going to hit all of them tonight. Yeah, and after tonight's loss, it drops them to 12-10, and 10, actually. And That's right, yeah, 12-10. They, they and 10. look like world beaters against the Braves the opening series, and they go to Washington and have this big dramatic win, and everyone's fired up, and Bryce Harper's bowing to the fans in right field, and you're thinking 95 wins. Well, in the 18 games following that, the Phillies are only 8-10, and 10, and uh, they they look every bit of an 8-10 and 10 team over the last 18 games. Inconsistent bullpen, uh, the offense has gone silent for prolonged stretches, uh, inconsistent starting pitching. I mean, they look every bit of a mediocre team right now, and, and that's really what they are. And as we start to enter the final week of April, this looked like it was going to be a very promising month in which the Phillies could maybe establish themselves as contenders in the National League East and maybe even create a little distance uh, between themselves and the other teams. But like you said, due to uh, just a, a number, a rash of injuries here in the early going and, and some of the other roster deficiencies that they have have kind of shown, uh, this, this has kind of been a little bit of an up-and-down start, and it's not the end of the world, and there's no reason to smash the panic button. But at the same time, yeah, after tonight's game, there are some reasons to be concerned, and, and this this has kind of been a, a little bit underwhelming here, certainly over the last two to three weeks now. Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and it's been a lot of different things that have gone wrong at different times, right? And we talk about the, the bullpen is a mess, um, of course. Um, starting pitching has, you know, been inconsistent. I won't say it's been terrible. I mean, you know, Vince Velasquez has given you a couple good starts. Jake Arrieta has been, been fine. Um, you know, but, you know, Nola hasn't been good. Pavetta gets sent down. We're going to talk about him tonight. Um, Jared Eikhoff comes in, looks good for four and a half innings, and then all of a sudden kind of, you know, goes off the rail a little bit in his first start. I mean, so starting pitching is not great. And it's the lineup has just been, in, you know, injuries and inconsistencies combined in the lineup. You know, you get, you know, Reese Hoskins hits a home run tonight, and that's great. And, you know, he was 6 for 18 against the Rockies, so it's not like he hasn't been hitting. I mean, he's certainly been getting on base, um, but he's not, you know, driving in the runs that you th- you expect your cleanup hitter to be driving in. And Yeah, he had his first home run tonight in uh, 49 at-bats. 
Yeah, I mean, that's, so, so that's, that's no good, right? It's not, but I mean, at the same time, I mean, you know, when you sit there and you, see, you look at these batting averages and you look at these OPS, and they're all, you know, they're all hitting in the two seventies, and their OPSs are all still north of eight hundred. You say, well, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. Yeah, but you know, I, it was interesting. I, I got one thing I really wanted to you know bring up that has really nothing to do with the team itself, but I, it was really kind of interesting to listen to. You know, Jimmy Rollins is now doing the broadcast, and I, I really like Jimmy Rollins on the broadcast. I don't know, I don't want to lead the show with this. Um, we can talk about this a little bit later. But the one thing he did bring up that I really liked about what he was saying about this team is he was saying. They they are a better team if they're more aggressive early in counts and stop worrying about working the count. Stop worrying about sitting there and, and grinding a pitcher. Just go up there, and there's a reason that your batting average is the best in the first pitch or second pitch of an, of an at-bat. It's because that's when you get the best pitches to hit. He says he wishes this team with as much talent as it has would swing, in, uh, swing earlier. And, and I agree with him. I'd like to see them... Not all the time, not every at bat, but I'd like to see them be a little bit more aggressive at the plate um, because they are, they have the ability to you know get hits and drive in runs and and wreak havoc, and they they've gotten into this little bit of this of this rut where it's like, well, let's just be really really selective. And it, it kind of reminds me of what the way the offense looked at times last year. Not that I want to compare the two. Well, but it does, I mean, I it think does it remind me of. I it. think it's a little bit fair to say that. I mean, they go out to Colorado, and I, I know the Rockies actually uh, they've gotten off to a slow start this season, but their pitching is better. Their starting pitching is is formidable, I would say, even at this point. And they go out and they score 14 runs over four games in Colorado at Coors Field, and then they run it back tonight at City Field, where it seems like they've really struggled in recent seasons. They scored one run. They had three hits. And so this offense over the last handful of games has really struggled. And it really shouldn't be a surprise. And I think that this is where you have to kind of balance things out a little bit. You say, well, okay, they're not hitting the baseball. And I think that that you should really kind of pin their struggles as a team on the offense specifically. I, I think that that's where it should go. But at the same time, Odubel Herrera, not in the lineup. Gene Segura, not in the lineup. Scott Kingery, who had been red hot, not in the lineup. I mean, it's really hard to gauge this offense as a whole when you're missing so many key components. You know, even Andrew McCutcheon came out of the game with the inflamed knee the other night. He's ba- He's been back in. He didn't miss a game uh, after being pulled out early on Friday night. But you just you look at this, and they're dealing with some early injury issues. It is April. You're not going to be able to, you know, necessarily hit the ground running and, and bang out 20 wins in the month of April. Very rarely do teams do that. You're, you're fighting through early season inconsistencies as it is. But... You go back two weeks ago and you're feeling really good about where this team's at and you fast forward in light of what's happened with the health concerns and and really just kind of leveling off and not playing with the same type of of energy and the same type of uh, effectiveness that they were earlier in the year, you kind of go, well, okay, wait a minute. You know, when we talked before the season back in March about this being an 85 to 87, maybe 88 win team. Well, now you know why. And even though it looked real good that first weekend, they're banging the ball all over the yard, they do have limitations, and they do have some shortcomings, and, and they've shown. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and it's 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 a shame because it's. It, I think this is a situation where um, this, uh, this stretch of games, you look at the Colorado and, and then tonight, um, it, it, 
it, it, it's almost like they all all the limitations kind of show up all at once all at once yeah. as, as opposed you to can kind of mask them and, yeah, and, yeah. As, as opposed to yeah well this guy struggles in this situation but that's okay because so and so picked him up it, you know when you look at it i mean yeah it was again yeah the phillies the other thing about the phillies is they, they've had some bad luck with weather right i mean this season they've yeah. they've really had a they've waited out rain delays they've played in the frigid cold they've played in very windy conditions i mean they've had bad games you know this is another night played through the rain again tonight so i mean you know you don't want to make excuses but i mean that you know that's another thing that we you know we really don't take into account but it, it certainly could be effect could affect them but yeah it's 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 it is concerning bob i mean we you know i i feel I, like that we have a tendency to be <sighs> I'll, I'll admit this. I think that we have a tendency to be somewhat negative sometimes. I think that we've been accused of this. Uh, I will I will then just kind of jump in with this because I think I know the trajectory that this show is going to take this evening. One thing I feel very good about right now, and I think that everybody should feel pretty good about, is the performance of Jake Arrieta, who again tonight, I, he didn't light the world on fire, but he was good tonight, and he, he was good enough to give the Phillies a chance to win this game. He goes six innings, only allows seven hits, one walk, and he had seven strikeouts, uh, which was a real positive to see. It's his fifth quality start in as many chances, and he has a 2.65 ERA right now uh, heading into the last week of April. Jake Arrieta has been a pleasant surprise, and I think if I would have told you back in March that Arietta would pitch this way, uh, you would have said, well, damn, this rotation was really falling into place. But it's, it's sort of been everybody else outside of Arietta that's been cause for concern. But again, I will say he was effective tonight, and uh, I, I've been impressed and I've been encouraged with what we've seen from him thus far. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, when, you, when you look back at the, at the runs that he, that he gave up, I mean, you have the um, uh, throwing error um, by uh, Realmuto that gets a runner to third. Um, a ball that, that I felt that that Cesar Hernandez probably, probably should have sh- knocked down at the very least. least. Or at yeah. least gotten in front of it, you right? You might and not you, get a catch and tag on that, but that ball probably should have been knocked down, yeah. Right, okay. Um, but then even you know the pitch that he throws to Alonzo, that, that Alonzo hits the double down the right field line, it's a foot outside. Yeah, I mean, it, it was in it the yeah. it was in the left hand left hand hitter's batter's box, and he reaches all the way across the plate and gets the end of the bat on it, and just so you I mean that's not a bad pitch. It's not like it was a you know he he left that in a bad spot. It was just kind of unfortunate. Um, so he ends up at second base, scores on a single back through the box that goes between Arietta's legs. So it's not like it was a you know a screaming line drive. Um, and then he gives up the home run to to uh mcneil um and then the fourth run that i mean that he gets well he doesn't it's not an earned run but the fourth run comes on a, another error by cesar hernandez uh later um anyway what a couple <laughs> games it's been for cesar hernandez right yeah. like he's a guy that i i think that i've generally tried to defend on this show i think that He's a solid player, right? But then you see what he does yesterday, and you have the fielder's choice off the bat of Reese Hoskins. He's safe at second base. Everybody at Coors Field and in the city of Denver and the people that were watching on at home yesterday knew that he was safe at second base. And Joe West, I, I know he wasn't overly demonstrative, but clearly signaling safe at second base 
And Cesar Hernandez is just on another planet, trots off the field, gets into a rundown, and he's out. And certainly it cost the Phillies at least one run with Mike Alfranco doubling after that and probably cost them a second run and a chance to take the lead yesterday. And then he runs it back tonight, and I know he had a couple hits, but just between the inability to block down the real Muto throw and then just an inexcusable rushed flip. And I know that on the on the television broadcast, I don't know if you caught this, that it seemed like they sort of wanted to deflect some blame towards Phil Goslin. I mean, I thought Hernandez rushed the flip and that it was just clearly wide, even if Goslin kind of came in a little bit awkwardly. I just think that that's clearly on the second baseman there on that in that situation. And and really, I don't know that the Phillies would have scored a second, third, or fourth run tonight, but at that point, that was it. That game yeah, was no, over. That buried them. That certainly yeah. buried them. Yeah, and, you know, Hernandez is starting to hit again. I mean, you got to remember, you, when we were talking right before Kingery got hurt and we were saying Kingery needs to get at bats and it's probably going to come at the, at you know, the, it's going to cost Cesar Hernandez. Uh, since then, Hernandez has been hitting. He's you know he's got his average up now to like two sixty eight. I think it is. His OPS yeah. is seven, over seven fifty. I mean, he's actually hitting again. But the problem with Cesar Hernandez is he makes boneheaded decisions. It's the same things that the fans want to crucify Odubel Herrera for in this city, but they don't ever say about Cesar Hernandez. He makes dumb base running decisions. He makes routine plays in the field that should, you know, that he should be making that he makes mistakes on. Um, it, it's just, it's just, you know, a, a, a baseball IQ, baseball awareness that he is seems to be lacking, and it doesn't seem to be ever going away with him. And, and, and that's what I think sucks. frustrates. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's what frustrates sucks us. And you're you're winning sixty five to you. Know, I guess they won what eighty games last season. You go all right. Well, I'm looking at the ceiling on these guys. They're they're still developing. They're still learning. They're still trying to figure it out. But now, when you kind of get into win now mood, you, you don't have time for that. You don't have time for inexcusable mental lapses and and just stupid plays where you say like where are you at like where are you at in this situation and and when you're supposed to be a team that's a legit playoff contender it just can't happen and so my patience for that type of stuff is completely worn out and I understand where fans are coming from you say yeah he's a serviceable player he's, he's got a little bit of speed he's a decent defender he certainly has the physical tools to be a quality defender and, and he, he can swing the bat a little bit but when you see plays like that it's it's almost it's indefensible at this point where he's at in his career he needs to be further along than that and that stuff should never happen and it happens way too frequently yeah you know it absolutely does it absolutely does so let's get into this game tonight there's really not a whole lot to say about it you know they dropped eight runs on Stephen Matz last week uh, before he even records an out and you know tonight the Phillies muster one run on a Reese Hoskins homer three hits Matt's dominates the Phillies, and, and I wasn't overly impressed watching him. I mean, sometimes you, you look at the opposing pitcher and you say, like, damn, he really threw the ball well tonight. But I watched Steven Matz, and I just said, eh. And the Phillies just had nothing for him. And, again, we talk about the injuries and where this lineup's at right now, and I do get all of that. But to just absolutely blow his doors off a week ago, you kind of could smell this coming a little bit, I think, in, before this game. But then to see them go out and have the type of offensive output that they did tonight, a little bit of a concern. Well, I'll tell you what I what I saw tonight, Bob. I, I saw something that I usually reserve for our hockey conversation with Russ. Okay, that I always have um, with about the Flyers, and and, the, and I see this. I saw the same thing with the Phillies tonight. I saw them get frustrated by things they couldn't control. 
And I think that that kind of permeated throughout the game because you're right. Stephen Matz wasn't blowing them away. He wasn't. He wasn't sitting there, you know, with pinpoint accuracy, hitting hitting the black, you know, right on the corners, and, and, and you know, striking guys out or, or having a, a, a heater that no one can get get the bat on. I think that there were some calls, balls and strikes. When you I mean, say what they can't control, do you just mean home plate umpire Mark Carlson? I mean, <laughs> well, what a night he had, man. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, but I mean, if it, it, it goes back, you know, we, we could, we'll, we'll get to the Harper thing in just a second. But it started earlier than that. It started before the fourth inning. I think the fourth inning is when it kind of just blew over, um, blew up. And I think that, that if you go back and watch the first three innings with Philly's batters, they were asking questions a lot. I mean, there was Harper asked in his first at bat. Uh, Phil Gosselin asked at one point. Reese Hoskins asked at one point. Uh, Hernandez turned and looked at him at one point. There was multiple times prior to um, Harper having getting ejected where they just did not like the strike zone. And to to the Phillies' defense. It was not a good. It was not a good strike zone by the home plate umpire, and I think he was bad both ways. I don't just want to. I don't want to just make it sound like he was bad for the Phillies and not bad for the Mets. I thought he was bad both ways, um, but I think that it, it really was you know affecting the Phillies. Then you get the point where Harper gets tossed for you know yelling at him from the dugout, and you know Kapler comes out and has a big you know to do with the home plate umpire. I'm I'm stunned Kapler didn't get thrown out as well. For yeah, as, for and, as demonstrative as to, he was, just to rewind this back a little bit, it was the top of the fourth inning, and and Bryce Harper is is called out on a, a third strike that that I thought was probably away, up and away. Frankly, the second uh, strike was up and away too. Yeah, and yeah. and so he gets rung up on on a two two pitch that was it was outside and it was it was also high, and so then. Reese Hoskins follows, he homers, and a couple batters later, Cesar Hernandez comes up and he takes a 1-1 pitch that's definitely well above the top of the strike zone, and at that point, Harper starts barking, and he's promptly ejected, uh, almost immediately, and then that's when Gabe Kapler comes flying out of the dugout, and Harper's right behind him, he almost makes contact with Carlson, and it's a mess. Now, I guess there's a couple things that we need to look at in this situation. I guess I'll, I'll give you the the good news or the positive take that I have from this and it's that we rarely saw this from Gabe Kapler and so he's going to get a lot of credit tonight by us and tomorrow morning about how he's showing that emotion and he's going to bat for his players and that's what you want to see from your manager and go get him Gabe and that's great that's fine and you might even hear about how much Harper's into it and how invested he is and it's he's a fiery competitor and that this this incident kind of demonstrates that that fire and that passion, and that's what you want from a Philly athlete. And I think that there's going to be a lot of that said. My only counter-argument to this, and I don't want to sound like a complete dork, but there, there's something that you need to kind of understand in this situation. You're already down a couple guys as it is, right? And if Bryce Harper comes out of the, out of the game, you're replacing a well-above-average hitter with Roman Quinn, who has been a nightmare in the week or you know in the, the handful of games since he's been up here. You're already down to Phil Gosselin in the field, and we like Phil Gosselin, friend of the show. We're going to hear from him in a little bit. But you're already down him as well. He's in the lineup. And you're, you're talking about a team that is, is kind of been scuffling to score runs lately, and now their best offensive player, arguably their best offensive player, is out of the game in the fourth inning. you got to keep your composure there. You can't get thrown out. And here's my other thing, and this is a little bit disappointing. If your manager is going to go out there and raise hell, and your star player is going to go out there and raise hell, you got to back them up. Like you've, you've got to come out and say, like, 
hell yeah, let's effing go. Like, let's do this. And instead, Hernandez follows up that at-bat with a base hit. Do you know how many hits the Phillies had after Cesar Hernandez reached first base in that at-bat tonight? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Zero. None. There was, no, there was no rally. There was no life. There was no fight. They just got their doors blown off from that point forward. It was like, eh, you know what? We're having a, a rough stretch right now. We've got a few injuries. We're in Queens. It's late. It's raining. It's nasty. Our best player's out of the game. This home plate umpire sucks. Screw it. That was their response tonight, and that was the thing that disappointed me the most. It's more about how the Phillies handled what happened after Harper and Kapler went out there than it really is for me how Harper and Kapler handled it. Yeah, I mean, I I I I absolve Gabe completely. Um, I don't think that there's any anything to worry about with the way what Gabe did. I thought Gabe was absolutely in the right to argue the way he did. I thought he did went out of his way to prevent Harper from touching the umpire. I thought Gabe was a hero in a lot of, in a lot of ways tonight. Um, so I have zero problem with that. I and I agree with you that the Phillies' response sucked, but Harper can't. He, he's got to control himself there. He just does. Look, you get tossed, you get tossed. And your manager goes out to argue. You stay put. You see your manager running out there to yell, you got to stay put. If you want to keep yelling from the dugout, keep yelling from the dugout. You cannot, cannot come charging out of the dugout and go after the umpire. That, that's not – that's – Totally agree. Totally agree. You got to let the manager handle it. And I know that a lot of people are going to listen to this and they're going to say, well, like, nah, come on. You know, like that's Harper putting up for his teammates and he's a leader and that's all fine and well. Like I I get it. I do. And like in the moment when you know that you've you've been completely boned out of an at bat, like I, I get being hot in that situation and I get being pissed off and I get wanting to chirp. I mean. If, if you know me, I, I like to run my mouth. And if you know me on a baseball field, I like to run my mouth. Uh, and, and that's kind of my nature. But in that situation, Bryce Harper cannot do that. I, I right. completely agree with you. Yeah. So, I mean, I, so they're all wrong. They're, they're all at fault, of the players. They're, they're just everybody, just a, just a flat-out dud. All around. And three more errors tonight, I know. I mean, we talked about a couple of them already. And... Um, they're not a very good defensive team still. Um, no. It's just, it, I mean, they're. I think they're better than last year, but, I mean, you couldn't be much worse than they were last year. But it, it's still not a very good defensive team. And it's just – and then, of course, Bob, we – you know, it's it's the, the, the thing that I've been harping on now uh, for 13 months on this podcast, and I'm going to continue to harp on it until it changes. This bullpen stinks. So you want to go out and sign Craig Kimbrell? No, I don't. I don't. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, well, there, there's, I will say, this bullpen, uh, it, it, it has not been good. Again, though, and, and every team's dealing with injuries. I mean, you look at what the Yankees are going through right now, and, and yeah. so the Phillies can't cry about this too much because every team deals with it, and, and some teams maybe even more so than what they're dealing with right now, but... You know, David Robertson gets hurt. You sign him to be a, an integral part of your bullpen. I know he got off to a rough start, but he had really started to settle down. Victor Arano has a, an atrocious march in, in down in Clearwater. Goes goes to the minors, figures it out, comes up, looks pretty good his first couple times out. Now he's out. 
they're talking about you know figuring out what type of MRI they would need to get for his elbow. So that never that's never good. You have Tommy Hunter who's out, and again you've invested a lot of money in both Robertson and Hunter, and now these are two key pieces that you may not see for the foreseeable future, if at all. If we and want the to same, be they have honest, the same. They have the same injury. With the same injury, so yeah. you know there are some circumstantial things here that have kind of helped or I should say not help the Phillies bullpen situation. But yeah, this is this is not a good group. It is a concern, and it is something that they're either going to need to get some help here from somebody that they're not necessarily counting on, or as this thing progresses, if they feel that they are a bullpen piece away, they're going to have to make a move. Uh, my thought on Craig Kimbrell has not changed. I still do not want to invest 15 to $20 million a year, even on a short-term deal on Craig Kimbrell. But can I... It's a problem. Yeah, let me just stop you for a second. The reason they don't need Craig Kimbrell is because they have a guy for the back of the bullpen. Hector Neris is the one guy who, well, we'll talk about Adam Morgan in a second, but Hector Neris has been really good. Yeah, so allow me to kiss my own ass for a second. I told you. We talked about this. This was my one (laughs) prediction that might actually pan out. Everyone forgot about Hector Naris. Everyone was giving up on him. But when he came up the second half of last season, yeah. mid-August, he struck out 50% of the batters he faced. And you're seeing he's been pretty damn good so far after really a, a shaky first appearance. Yeah, no, he's been really good other than that first appearance. I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, I would, everybody wants to sit there and, 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 and say, well, uh, well, you know, what happened that first game he came out? And he's only thrown nine and two thirds innings, you know, so far. So you know, it's a very small sample. But he's got a zero. He's did, got did a zero point. Did you see that guy on on Twitter that was like, every time I hear Bob say "small sample size" or the word "bullish," I'm drinking. It's like the, the crossed up <laughs> drinking game. Yeah. So I'm making a point tonight not to say that, but you, you just said both of them. You said both of them in yeah, the same just, sentence. Just, just because is that a double guys. shot? Just <laughs> point it out. Yeah, drink, buddy. I hope you're on your way to work. That's right. There you yeah. go. Drink twice. Uh, no, but I mean, he's his, he's got a whip of 0.6 at this point. Yeah, he's been awesome. He's been really, really good, and and he doesn't th- he doesn't get himself into in any trouble. Doesn't have a throw. Doesn't throw a lot of pitches. I mean, he had the one outing against the Nationals um, where he had a couple of walks, but other than that, so he gave up the two hits in the in the first game. Yeah, and I he think had, he threw. I, I I know what game we're talking. That was the one they ended up uh, losing in extra innings, right? Yeah, wasn't yeah. that the one that uh, Alvarez gave up the home run to Soto yes. late? Yeah, yes. I think Naris needed like thirty pitches to get through that inning, but to his credit, he did it. You yeah, know? he got through it. He got through it. Other than, I mean, but here, you know, he gave up two hits, including the home run on opening day against the Braves. Since then, he's given up two hits. <laughs> Since then, he's given up two hits. Think about that for a second. We are almost a month. Since opening day, it's it'll it, in five days. It'll be a month. He's given up two hits in a month. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, yeah. The guy's pitching his ass off. So so Naris is fine. And Adam Morgan. Um, and I was texting with you about this. Uh, yeah, he's been good. Uh, he's been good. He's been really good. I just didn't like the situation um, uh, in in Nola's start in Colorado. You know, although the Phillies did get the win in that game, they used Morgan what in the sixth inning to he face t- Blackman. So, yeah, so they take yeah. Nola. He take he took Nola out in the sixth inning. The Nola Nola struggled early. I mean, there was no question. Give up nine hits and five and two thirds. Right, give up three runs. So it wasn't a great outing. But by the by the fourth inning, Nola had figured it out. And you could start this. The curveball had had bite to it. He was locating his fastball. Colorado w- couldn't touch him for for two and two and two thirds could not touch him and then but blackman hit him early 
so they not wanting him to face Blackman a third time, they went to Morgan in the sixth, and Morgan struck him out. I mean, because Blackman does not hit lefties. Okay, great. So, okay, that looks like a smart thing, except for the fact that later in the game, you have to face um, uh, Blackman again. This time, who, who are you trotting out there? You got Neshek against him, and Blackman ropes a triple off him. Had not Bryce Harper hit a three-run homer, in the inning before to to kind of make it a moot point as we talked about on Twitter, um, that that triple would have would have hurt. Yeah, would have, it could have been a nightmare for the second straight night. It, amazing yeah. though. The, the thing I will say with Morgan, like you just look at his numbers, right? Eleven games, nine innings pitched. Guy's given up three hits. He's only walked one batter. He struck out ten. I mean, he's been. It, it's. I, I do think that Naris's performance is sustainable. I don't think Adam Morgan's performance is sustainable. And that's really what I find concerning because you're getting just more than you could have ever hoped for from both of those guys. So who in this bullpen right now that's not pitching well is somebody that you can reasonably expect to to perform better. I mean, when you go through it, you go, okay, so Edebre Ramos is back up now, right? Jose Alvarez has been a mess. Um, he kind of got a little bit of a bad deal tonight thanks to Hernandez's gaffe on a potential double play ball. But, again, not sharp. Um, you have Robertson shelved. Nishak's been... Nishak's been okay. I just I just look through this bullpen and I agree with you. I say it's it's Nicasio. Yeah, <laughs> Oh my god. He's been he's been a disaster. Yeah. Uh it's just it's not a very good bullpen and though I had made the point a couple weeks ago that they will pitch better than they have and I do believe that. I mean just just regression to the mean so to speak. I, I think that they will perform some of these guys will perform a little bit better but who do you really feel good about when you're holding a 4-3 lead going into the seventh inning? And it's not like the starting rotation is getting you deep into games on a consistent basis either. You look at what Aaron Knoll is going through right now, and yeah, he was a little bit better on Saturday, but outside of him, Jake Arrieta, even when Velasquez is good, he doesn't go deep into games. I don't think you can count on Jared Eichel for seven, eight inning starts. Uh, it's It's been a... It, it, the pitching is definitely problematic at this it, point. It is, but I will say this. I think that you need to try and... I think you do need to try and let your starters go six. <laughs> I can't believe yeah, I just yeah, I can't believe a, I just said that sentence. Seems like a good theory. Yeah, <laughs> I just can't believe I said that sentence. But no, I mean, it, I think there are times when you're sitting there and you're pulling guys, you know, after five or five and a third or five and two thirds, and you you have to use a bullpen arm, a reliable bullpen arm, and your starters not necessarily in trouble, but they've thrown ninety eight, ninety nine, a hundred pitches. Just let them throw ten more. Ten more pitches. I will say they haven't Get really the been. Inning. Have they really been in that situation other than maybe Vince Velasquez's starts? Like he's the only guy that I can Velasquez, really think of that's Velasquez gone five tw- innings and has been effective and then gets the quick hook. I mean Velasquez twice, Nola on Saturday. I thought Arietta even tonight. He was at ninety nine in the right. into the into like the seventh. I, I agree with you, which is a little bit later, but I mean, but still, you can't just give him a couple more batters. I agree and, with and, you and, to an extent, but with Velasquez, I mean, you know how that goes, and maybe he earns that trust, right? Like he's four or five starts into this thing, and if he continues to pitch as he has, then maybe he earns that trust. I, I, but, I but, get it. You know, I get you're it. Not giving Vince Velasquez that no, extra rope there that early I, in the season. I understand that, Bob. I understand that. What you just said, you're not wrong, but when your bullpen is so unreliable, maybe your better bet is sit there and say, let instead of crossing my fingers on a bull, an unreliable bullpen, 
let's see if the starter can get me another inning. Just let's see. And if it doesn't work, it's no different than if you went to the bullpen early and the bullpen imploded. What the hell's the difference? You've already seen the bullpen bullpen struggle, so let's let the starting pitcher try and figure it out. And if he can't, well, then that you know, then we're really screwed. But I mean, but maybe that's a better solution. Give it, give him a shot. I, I don't know. Call me crazy to ask for your pitcher to go six full innings. Or maybe a seventh. You're every not once crazy, in a while. and I think that maybe we're headed there. I mean, I think that if if at some point Gabe Kapler has to assess this thing and say, okay, this is what I have in the bullpen, and and though I'm not getting quality start after quality start from my staff, yeah, if I have to take a gamble, you know, he was very quick to go to the bullpen last year, play matchup. He he fell in love with the bullpen early, and by the second half of the season, his I dudes, it, yeah, his dudes. I think his dudes kind of betrayed him in the second half because. <laughs> Partly because they weren't that talented and partly because I think that he over relied upon the ability to play percentages and play numbers and historical data. You know, now I think he's looking at it and going like, I don't have dudes out there, though I do not have dudes in the starting rotation. If I'm willing to roll the dice, who am I doing it with? And I think that he's probably going to start leaning more towards the starting staff. So you may get your wish. In that regard, one guy that will not be pitching deep into games, though, for the the starting rotation, at least not any time in the foreseeable future, is uh, number two starter, (laughs) Nick Pavetta, uh, who we liked, uh, maybe still like, I don't know, who many baseball people liked, other media types in this town, uh, a guy that I really like, Jack Fritz. You know, we've talked a little bit about him. He was really up on Nick Pavetta as well. Uh, it did not materialize through four starts, and he was sent down to Lehigh Valley last week and replaced by Jared Eikhoff after the Phillies spotted him that, that you know, 9-10 run lead. I think it was 10-1 or 9 nothing or whatever the hell it was, and he couldn't really, you know, get, even get through six innings in that start. They sent him down, and Nick Pavetta had some comments that he made to the Athletics' Megan Montemuro uh, today. And uh, do you want to talk a little bit about this? Yeah, do you want me to go through his comments? Yeah, I have them in front of me if you don't, but if you do. Oh, I do. Yeah. I know I, I have them. I have them. Um, so Megan goes, uh, and, I, and I liked the idea. I mean, you know, if, you're, if, if she's not traveling to Colorado with the Phillies, then uh, she goes up to a quick ride up to Lehigh Valley and goes to do an interview with, with Nick Pavetta. And uh, um, she's up there and she asks him some things. And, and he says, first thing he says, first, the interesting thing is, is so she asks a question um, and it, it takes him 10 seconds before he even answers. And like that to me, the, the fact she she makes a note of that. And that's that tells you a lot because it tells you the guy is, is really wants to be careful about what he says. I'm really pissed off. How do I navigate this? And then he said, but then he didn't navigate it incredibly well. Um, so it starts off, he says, there's a lot of emotions that go along with getting sent down. I've been there before in 2017. I got sent down twice, but being in the big leagues all year in 18, it was a bit of a shock and a bit of an eye opener. He says, you look at how Vince Velazquez threw Friday night. That's the type of pitcher I was last year. Me and him have a lot of similar tendencies and that's where I need to get back to. I only had four starts under my belt in the big leagues this year. So it's an early send down in my eyes. But in my heart, I know what I need to do to get better. Yeah, the timing's not great. Yeah, I didn't want it to happen. I felt like I could make the improvements in the big leagues, but they had other plans. Well. 
Uh, my immediate reaction to that would be this. Who is Nick Pavetta, a guy that I really like, that does have the high ceiling, that does have the talent? Who the hell is Nick Pavetta to say that, that I felt like I should have gotten longer to figure it out at the major league level? Like, what have you ever shown that would indicate that you should get another chance to figure this out up at the major league level as you're burying your team and exhausting an already mediocre bullpen. I agree with you, Bob. More so than that, it's I'll give you I'll give you his answer. I'll give you the answer to him. He's he says, you know, I I thought I could make those improvements in the big leagues, but they had other plans. Guess what? You had that opportunity last year. That's what 2018 was for you. It was the figure it out year. You had a stretch of really good starts in 2018. You made us look like geniuses at the very beginning of last year for saying, you know, I believe in Nick Pavetta and, and he's going to show us, what, you know, what, what he is and take these big strides. But then the whole second half of last season, you struggled and they stuck with you. They stuck with you through 168 innings, I think it was, that he threw last year. And to the end, he pitched straight through, figure it out. Yeah, it's like he forgot that he was 1-7 over 13 starts in the second half after the All-Star break last year with a 5-plus ERA. Yeah, so so when you come into this season and the the mantra for the team is no longer let's just be better than we were when we were a 65-win team, the mantra is we want to be a playoff team. You don't have much time, man. Like, the, like you don't have to. If you can't figure it out and you can't get it right in you know a, a handful of starts, that's it. Like we now we were a little surprised. I mean, we thought he got he he was going to get one, maybe two more starts at most before he got sent down. But the fact that we talked about it tells you that it was obvious to everyone but Nick Pavetta. Yeah, I said but, it last week. I thought he would yeah. get two more starts. Yeah, and, and but it was what I'm saying is. If we're sitting here talking about it on Crossed Up, then it's obvious to us. It's obvious to the team. It's obvious to the fans watching the game. Everyone looking at this saw it except for Nick Pavetta. So that's why he needed to get sent down then. That's why I I applaud the Phillies for doing it when they did it. I, I do because they said he's not getting it right now. So now they hope he goes down and he's working with um, uh, Lehigh Valley's pitching coach Steve Schrank, who you know who worked with him when he first got here uh, after the trade for Papelbon um, back in 2015. I think he was uh, he was with the pitching coach with with uh, with Redding back then. Um, uh, so you know maybe you know Schrank helps him figure it out and gets it back to where he was, and then Nick Pavetta gets called back up here in you know in a month or whatever, and and he's and he's good to go again. Who knows? But the fact of the matter is, is that he was at a point in this season where he just didn't get it, and the Phillies said, "Guess what? You got to go." You got to go down to figure it out, and good good on the Phillies for doing that. Yeah, I applaud the Phillies for doing it. Uh, it wasn't the easier, necessarily the obvious choice to make, and hopefully he goes down there and and. I expect that he will be back up at some point. Uh, I don't think that, you know, I don't I don't want to take shots at anybody, but, like, I think that there's a reason that Jared Eikhoff had kind of fallen out of favor with this team, and, and I think it kind of even goes beyond the injury issues. I just don't think that where they're at, that they I, – I don't think that this, this – the steadiness of guys is, is necessarily what they're chasing after right now. I think that they're starting to chase after or that they want to chase after guys that are projectable, to, to use a baseball term, the guys that have the ceiling, that have the top of the end, top end of the rotation stuff. They've just reached a point, though, where the, the floor became so low 
that they sort of gravitated back towards a guy like Eichhoff who who may be a little bit more steady, but I don't think that that's what they want to do. And if it was what they wanted to do, then Eichhoff would have been much more part of a conversation earlier on in spring training. Yeah, I think you're right. And I, I think ultimately Jared Eichhoff serves a purpose with this organization. Um, and, and I don't even mean going back down again. I think that they started him down. I think Jared Eichhoff stays now for the rest of the year, but maybe more as like that swing guy. Like yeah. that guy who's going to be in the bullpen. Who if you need you need some length out of the pen, you can go to Eikhoff. And then, hey, if somebody gets hurt and you need to plug him into the rotation, he's fine to go there as well. And I think that that's what Eikhoff is going to be. Um, but they need they, – you know, Nick Pavetta is going to – I think he's going to get another chance again before we hit July. I, I think it's going to sometime, you know, in the next several weeks, um, Nick Pavetta is going to get brought back up here again. He's going to give, be given another handful of starts. But if he hasn't figured it out by then, I think the Phillies will look to go in another direction come trade deadline or right before the trade deadline. Now, listen, there's a, there's a couple other things that we want to get to in this podcast. We, uh, You had the opportunity to talk to Phil Goslin on Friday after the uh, opening game of the uh, Phillies-Rocky series while he was out in Denver. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, before we get to that, and also we, we wanted to get into a little bit about bat flips as well, uh, because yeah. I have strong opinions on this, as I know you do. Um, we are recording this, and, and as we talk right now, it's 1220 in the morning, uh, early Tuesday morning, and uh, I would be remiss if I just overlooked this. It just popped up on my Twitter feed, and, and uh, I think that we need to address this real quick. So this is from Scott Lauber. Jake Arrieta had some pointed words about the uh, about Bryce Harper's ejection and the Phillies' overall effort after Monday night's rain-delayed 5-1 loss to the Mets. Uh, you might want to str- fasten your seatbelt for this one. Look, I mean, he's got to understand we need him in right field. I don't care how bad the umpire is. He wasn't great for either side. I'm out there trying to make pitches, and he misses some calls. So what? We need him out there. We were flat from start to finish. Two-hour delay, it doesn't matter. We have to be ready to play. We weren't, and it showed. The dugout was flat. The defense wasn't good. Didn't throw the ball well as a staff overall. We got beat. We started at 8.45. I don't think our guys were ready to play. We've got to come out tomorrow ready to play. It's troubling, yeah. I'm out there doing everything I can to win a game. I need my guys behind me, and they weren't. You want to unpack that one? <laughs> it's, it's what I like about Arietta. I, I, I like. Look, is he wrong? Let's start there. Like, did he say anything that was wrong? No, no, no. That's what I like about. It. That's what I'm telling you. I like. Yes, can Arietta at times get a little lack nuance? Yeah, I mean, like there were a couple times last year where he was a little pissy uh, after a game, and he, you know, kind of threw shade at his team. I think he got um, into Scott Kingery once after like a game in San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, but I think that you know there were there's there were times where he was struggling as well, and and just was like you know pissed off at at the world and kind of took some out on his team. But in this instance, I think he's one hundred percent correct. He's he nails it. And and it wouldn't well. It's I'm curious, and the thing that I I don't want to I don't want to speculate here. But what I really want to know is was this said before or after the media talked to the manager? I'm curious. I'm curious. 
Yeah, I don't know. I do have this from Harper as well. Again, this is from Scott Lover. It just can't happen from my side in a game like that against the Mets division rival. It just can't happen for me, myself, and this team as well. We're a better team with me in the lineup, and I've got to stay in there. I can't control what what Carlson's zone is going to be. I can't control what uh, you know I'm going to do and and be better than that, et cetera, et cetera. So. This is something that's going to get talked about. This is something that's going to be made a big deal. And I think that, you know, Arietta echoes a lot of what we just kind of had talked about earlier in the show. And I don't think he's wrong in any sense. I think the thing that you have to kind of decide is if you're the manager of the team, if you're in that clubhouse with him, do you look at Arietta's comments and say, like, yeah, you know what, Jake, you're absolutely right. We, we blew it tonight. We got to do a better job. Or do you kind of go, yo, man, like... It was one game out of 162. We were a little bit flat, but there were plenty of times last season you were flat. You killed us down the stretch, and there wasn't anybody in this locker room that was ripping you apart. So, well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you asked this question because this, this is actually can kind of lead into a little bit about the, uh, the conversation I had with Phil Goslin, uh, which everybody will hear in a minute. One of the questions I asked Goslin is was was about how Gabe is and how that locker room is and you know whatever. And the one thing that he he pointed out, he says, "Listen, you know the great thing about Gabe is, and you'll hear this in a minute, but he says the great thing about Gabe is is he." Um, you know, he lets everybody have their own personality. He lets the, he lets the guys be themselves. So if that's if that's true, and I don't have any, any reason to believe that Phil Goslin would have lied to me, um, then then you know what like he's going to let yeah. his pit. <laughs> no, um, I, I have a feeling then that this is the kind of um, uh, this is the kind of managerial thing that that that's, he's going to let his. Uh, He's going to let his guy, you know, say what he needs to say. Yeah. So I guess with that said, do you want to you want to jump into the? Yeah, yeah. Phil I mean, this is. I mean, look, so Phil Gosselin, just just to kind of, I don't want to just throw it in there. So why did we get Phil Gosselin on the show? Well, you know, a couple of reasons, um, and it just kind of was, uh, you know, it ended up being you know kind of perfect timing. Um, Almost yeah, I, perfect. Yeah, almost perfect timing. <laughs> um, you would have been on the call if it was perfect timing. Um, but, uh, you know, he had gotten called up to the Phillies. And as I had mentioned on this show uh, a couple episodes ago, I have a connection to the Gosselin family. I'm, I'm friends with uh, Phil's brother, Matt. And um, and so once he got the call up, I, you know, reached out to Maddie and I said, Hey, what do you think about your brother coming on the show? And you know, Maddie sent me sent me a message that said I reached out to him, and he said that he reads Crossing Broad all the time. And I was like, really? <laughs> and he said, yes. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Um, so he said, yeah, he'll definitely do it. And then we we picked the time, and then he Phil missed the time. Um, but uh, so he then texted me like all apologetic, and I said, "Ah, oh, don't worry about it. You know, give me, give me ten, fifteen minutes." And he said, "Yeah, sure, no problem." And I, I was trying to get you to hop on so that we could get get you on the phone. And I think you were tied up, and I was like, "Oh, well, I've done a million interviews before by myself. I guess I can do one more." Yeah, <laughs> so. I don't think that uh, I will say I don't think that the uh, that my absence really, uh, uh, you know, was a was a drawback to the interview in any 
way, shape, or form. So yeah, no, 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 right, no, it's okay. But I mean, it was. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you this is like the greatest interview in the world. But it was good. It was good to get you know a guy who's and he talked a little talks a little bit about being you know what it's like to be the 25th man and what it's like to you know always be like that quad A kind of guy you know bouncing back and forth between AAA and, and the majors. Um, really got some good stuff from him. So uh, you know, take the next 15 minutes and uh, listen to Phil Gosselin, and then we'll come back and, and wrap up the program with a couple more things. You know, during spring training, I'm like, I'm watching, you know, I'm watching the games and I'm, I'm looking at the stats and I'm like, you know, Phil Gosselin's having a hell of a spring. Like, and no one's, no one was talking about you at the time. And, and, and the one thing that I noticed is, you know, when teams bring guys in on these minor league deals uh, in spring training, they give you a lot of time. It means they're really looking at you, right? Right. Yeah. So did you, you kind of have a sense you know, as you were getting a little bit more playing time that like, yeah, you know what? There might be an opportunity here that's 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 more than just, hey, they just want to bring in a guy who's been around, you know, just in case. Um, yeah, I think going into it, they, they told me, you know, there could be some opportunity. The, the roster was kind of set, but, you know, there's always injuries and things like that. So they wanted to have, get a good look at a lot of, you know, a number of us, so. Whoever, you know, played well and showed well could be, you know, in the talks to get called up or make the team if somebody got hurt or whatever might happen. So as spring went on, I definitely felt like they were, um, you know, appreciate what I was doing and um, going to give me a, give me a you know, fair shot to contribute and make, maybe make the team um, out of camp. It didn't, you know, it didn't work out, but then, you know, here we are a couple weeks in and I'm up, so, so it all worked out, you know, for the best. Well, when you... um. When you go, you know, you go down to the wire there in spring training, and you know, I think it was, I don't know, just before, I mean, you were there through the end, but I think that they told you a couple games before that that you weren't mm-hmm. that you weren't going to make the the opening day roster. Were those conversations though pretty positive still? That like, you know, what it was, you know, we really loved what you did, and you know, hang tight because we think that you're you're going to be a contributor at some point for this team. Yeah, it was a, it was a really good meeting. I had um, Matt Clintock in there and Cap, and they just they basically said, you know, there's not a spot right now, but you, there's nothing more you could have done. Um, we're confident that you know if a need arises, that you can come up here and do the job for us. So that left me feeling good. You know, I, I wanted to make the team, so I was disappointed. But um, I also knew it could be valuable to go to AAA and keep playing every day and stay in the groove. So if I did get caught up, that I was feeling good and playing well when that happened, and you know, it all, all kind of came together, and uh, I think it, you know worked out for the best. Now, I know, I know uh, some guys. I didn't see this reported anywhere, but some guys, when you know they come in on those deals, they, they have like a, a a deadline where they can opt out and, and you know seek opportunities elsewhere. Did you have one of those, or if you, and if you did, did you look at it and say, you know what, this is really where I want to be, and and uh, Philadelphia is you know kind of you know it's home, and and I want a real opportunity to play here with this team. Um, I did not have an act out at the end of spring. Okay. Um, I have one. I have one during the year. You know, if I was still in Lehigh Valley. Okay. But I did not want to have a, one at the end of spring. Um, it wasn't a huge deal to me, just because I, I knew if I didn't make the big league team, if if I was going to be in AAA, then Lehigh Valley was you know probably the best spot for me, just being from there and it's a great place to play and all that. So um, I didn't didn't have a opt out there, but. You know, if I wasn't in the big leagues, uh, Lehigh Valley was the spot I wanted to be. Now, I know it's been reported repeatedly for, you know, all the guys who did stories on you, you know, about growing up here and, uh, you know, the, the Darren Dalton locker thing and everything else. Mm-hmm. But did, did did this feel a little bit different? Like, was it, you know, almost like 
the first time out again for you? I mean, you've been in the in the majors before. You've had success in the majors before. But did you know trying out for the Phillies and trying to make this team and actually being part of this organization feel like you were you know 22, 22 all over again? Yeah, I, I think I said it the other day. Somebody interviewed me, and it, it was this one almost felt more special than the first time I got called up, just with all the, the hometown connections. And um, you know, in two thousand nine, I was there with my brother, and you know, the upper deck we were watching play the Yankees. So I was just just a fan, like everybody else, not too long ago. And now I'm you know put on the uni, and I'm in the dugout and all that. So it's it was definitely emotional when I when I found out. You know, you, you start looking back on all those things and thinking about how, you know, I always wanted to do it. Probably wasn't a realistic thing at the time, but it was something you dreamed for. And I'm one of the, you know, lucky ones that got to got to live it out. Philadelphia kid playing for the hometown team. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty rare. I mean, it doesn't happen that often. Yeah. You know, I mean, in any sport, but especially baseball, I mean, you look at it. I mean, I think the last one was probably Jamie. Um, and that was towards the end of his career, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. so, so tell me about this this clubhouse. I mean, there's a lot of... There's been a lot of talk about, you know, the excitement that was there all through spring and into the start of the season. I know you weren't right there at the very beginning of the season, but, you know, what's this clubhouse like right now? Um, and, and these guys, what, you know, what are they like, you know, in there? Um, it's been it's been a lot of fun. You know, long, but um, the guys have been winning, which, you know, everybody's always in a good mood and um, can't wait to get to the park when everybody's winning. Um, but it's just a great group of guys. I mean, Bryce is obviously, you know, the, the headliner and everything, and he's just he's just another guy in the clubhouse. You know, everybody treats everybody the same, and um, everybody seems to be, you know, really on the same page and jealous. And do you think that that's um, – how much of that is, is just the fact that the, the group gels together, and how much of that is really, you know, do you look at a manager like Gabe and, and sit there and say, you know, he's got his finger on, on the pulse of how – this team should be and how this team should get along maybe as a former player maybe you know is a younger guy younger manager kind of relates a little bit differently yeah. than maybe an older manager might yeah i think cap relates to everybody really well um he lets everybody kind of be themselves and uh you know do their own thing and he knows everybody's gonna be ready and prepared and then um, you know, we all hold each other accountable and everybody's ready to go every night. But he, he definitely sets the tone and let everybody be themselves, um, which I think, you know, just makes everybody more comfortable and play better. Cool. Um, uh, I, I, I guess the going back for, for you, um, what's the what's the challenge like of being that guy who year in, year out is, you know, the battling for that last spot? You know, on the bench. I mean, I mean, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, it was you know, maybe earlier in your career wasn't as much of that as more about, hey, look and see what I can do. But now, you know, you've been around for a while. It's you've got experience of doing this and, you know, you're going up against other guys in the similar age range, similar you know abilities that are doing the same things. You know, what's that like year in and year out? Is that is that a difficult thing that you have to be kind of mentally tough for? I think it was difficult at first. Um just the uncertainty of it going into every single season, you know, knowing it's probably going to come down to how you play in spring and how that last week goes before the season and everything. Um, but it's kind of it's kind of normal for me at this point. It's been, I think, really since 2014, I've either been the team or been one of the last guys cut. So once you've been through it enough, you know, you kind of just realize, try to play well, and you really can't 
worry about everything else. It sounds cliche, but it's just it's the truth. It's the more the more you worry about that and try to try to figure out the roster yourself and try to figure out what they're thinking. It's just it's only going to hurt you know, how you play if you're worrying about other things. Yeah. Um, from a, on a personal level, is it is it difficult to bounce around from city to city to city like you have, or is it just, or do you look at it as this is kind of fun, man? I get to go places that I probably never would have gone before if it wasn't for baseball. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think everybody wants to be the guy that gets drafted and stays with the same team and plays in the big leagues a long time. Team, but reality is, it's it's just that's a tough thing to do. Um, so I look at the positives. I mean, I've played for six organizations now. I've got friends and you know pretty much every city of so many great people, coaches, staff, everybody. Um, you know, I joke with the guys on the team; they're always saying, "I'm," you know, we get to a new city, I say, "Oh, I'm going to go see so and so or whatever." Like, wow, it seems like you know somebody in every city and every <laughs> team. So it's one of the uh, definitely one of the perks. I, you know, I look at it as a positive way. Like, I've, I've just made so many great friends and relationships throughout the different organizations. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. And when you're and when you've been, uh, I know this, this is you know a little bit revisionist, but when you've been in those other cities, um, did you always you know obviously you can't sit there and root for another team, but did you always kind of keep an eye on what was going on with the Phillies because they were your they were your uh, home yeah, team? I, mean, I always I still will uh, read some of this paper online more so with like the Eagles stuff, and right? The other Philly teams, but you always kind of are cognizant of what's going on. Um, yeah, even when I was elsewhere, I'd still other teams. Um, but definitely keep tabs on the Phillies and everything else that's kind of going on with the city, just talking with my family and, you know, you know, read, read the paper online or whatever it might be. Yeah. Now, do you come, do you come home in the off season, or do you do you have a house somewhere else? Uh, so I don't own a house. I've the last, ever since I played for the Diamondbacks, I've basically rented a house in Scottsdale in the off season. Okay. Um, I came back this year for the last pretty much all of January until I went to spring training. I was um, in the Philadelphia area. Um, my girlfriend lives in Philly, so um, definitely worked out for that perspective. Get to see her more and everything, but I haven't lived like, full-time around here in probably like four or five years, whatever it's been. Yeah, yeah. Now, do you have a do you have a preference for once, uh, you know, you look down the road, you know, five, six, seven years when this is all over, do you, do you know where you, do you want to come back home or do you, do you like uh, you like it out there I'm in Arizona? I'm not sure. I, I'd like to. I mean, I have my brother, my sister, my parents, right. all the nieces and nephews. They're all still, you know, in the Westchester area. So it's tough being away from them at times. Um, so that would be not, you know, it'd be nice to end up around Philadelphia uh, eventually. But while I'm still playing, there's just so much up in the air. You never know. I never know where I'm going to be day to day sometimes. So. Well, uh, I'll get the time to figure that out, hopefully, in, in many years I'm done playing. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, listen, Phil, I, listen, I appreciate you taking the time. Best of luck to you, man, and uh, I'll keep uh, singing your praises on the podcast, put a nice story up on Crossing Broad, and uh, hopefully uh, you stay with the team uh, for the rest of the season and uh, can be a nice contributor for, for a good team. Yeah, I appreciate it. It'd be kind of a perfect way to end to be contributing on the Phillies team. Deeper up. That yep. would be, uh, I think, the, the best possible scenario. So hopefully, it works out like that. Well, there you go, Bob. That was uh, that was Phil Goslin, Philly's uh, shortstop this week. Uh, had a big, uh, you know, big du- that night. As a matter of fact, after that interview is when he had the big uh, three-run double, bases clearing double against the Rockies. That uh, kind of led to that win. 
um, was kind of the turning point in that game. Uh, hasn't hit much since, um, but I mean that was uh, that was a big uh, big knock for the Phils in that game. Um, and he's been just fine filling in defensively at shortstop. At, you know, no errors, no nothing that I thought like, oh man, you know, a, a better shortstop would have had that ball. You know, but yeah, you know, he is what he is. He's he is you know a guy who's who's on the a utility guy on the end of the bench and who you know got some major league experience and could help. Uh, off the bench because the, the bench has not been good. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think <laughs> where, where this bench is at, I, I don't think that Phil Gosselin is necessarily going to just disappear uh, right. You know, a week or two from now. I think this is a guy that you may see stick around on this team and, and he can do a couple different things for you and he's a, certainly a serviceable player. And I'm not telling you that he's going to be an integral part of their success, but I, I do think that this will not be the only time that you hear about Phil Gosselin this season. No, not at all. I think that uh, – so it was good. I, I really appreciate uh, Phil and, uh, of course, Matt for setting it up, um, uh, to coming on the show and actually being our first Phillies guest. We've been doing this show for 13 months, and this is our first Philly to join the show. So uh, hopefully we'll have more of those down the road as well, but I uh, really want to thank him for, for hopping on. So uh, you want to talk – about one last thing, and uh, why don't you oh. tell everybody what it is you want to talk about? I we have not spoken about this yet. I have a guess as to what side you're taking on this issue, but uh, let's why don't, why don't well, you I, introduce I, it? I will to the people. I will, yes, I will introduce it. But before I give my opinion, I'm going to throw it to you. So I'm going to put you on the spot first. Sure. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot first, and then and then we'll see because I you think you might you think you know where I'm going with it, and you might be right. But I, I tend to think that I might be a eh, I might be a little bit more of a hedger on this to be honest with you. But anyway, let's <laughs> here's the thing. So um, as everyone knows, I'm sure everybody in, who follows baseball out you know around baseball, not just the Phillies, saw uh, Tim Anderson for the Chicago White Sox hit a home run um, against the Kansas City Royals last week. And when he hit the home run, he looked at his bench. And it was a, I don't even want to call it a bat flip, but he just kind of threw the bat like back towards his dugout and screamed something, yelled something towards the dugout. I was trying to get his team fired up. And then he was kind of chirpy going around the bases as well. Um, Brad Keller was the pitcher who uh, was pitching for the Royals when he hit the home run. And the next time he comes up the bat, Brad Keller promptly plunks him in the ass. <laughs> Bench is clear, and you know everybody's kind of like, oh, we need to suspend Brad Keller longer. You can't be throwing at people like that, blah, 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 blah. So on MLB Network, um, their morning show, which I forget what it's called, um, but it's uh, the one with uh, Mark DeRosa and Al Leiter are, are part of it. Um, I guess they started talking about bat flips one day, and then DeRosa goes home and kind of like he's like frothy about it. So he comes back the next day and decides he's going to do like this whole soapbox thing. And he gets up on the soapbox and he rails on uh, really on both sides and says, listen, he says, you're winning the World Series. You're hitting a you're hitting a Joe Carter type home run. You want to dip your bat in gold. By all means, go right ahead. You know, if that's what you want to do. But if it's April 15th. And it's a game against the Royals, and you hit a home run in the third inning, and you want to do that nonsense. You got to expect to get hit. You have to expect to get hit. And then Al Leiter follows up with it, says, "You know, you don't want anybody thrown at your head, your head hunting, or anything like that." He says, "But there's a lot of emotion that goes into this sport, and you know, if if, if you watch somebody celebrating on you, then you gonna, then your emotion's going to get get you, and you're going to, you know." send a message the next time through. 
And the argument, I forget who who the the host is that the co-host is. Uh, he's like a play-by-play guy. Rob, uh, what the hell's his last name? I don't remember what his last name is. Um, and he's like, oh, well, it's New World. You really shouldn't be doing that anymore. And it's just kind of, it drives me crazy that that's kind of like the response. It's it's like... <laughs> yeah, Robert Flores. That's what it is, Robert yeah. Flores, right? And, you know, he used to it's be like, on ESPN. You know, and so and, and so Leiter and, and DeRosa had some more things to say back to him, So I, which, which I think is where I kind of fall in that and what they were saying back. So I want to ask you, Bob, what your thought process is on this, and and then I'll then I will say what what I'm thinking on it. I will present this to you as a um, as a high school coach. Uh, they will tell you before the game, you know, it's all about good sportsmanship, and you know, make sure that you're not making any comments directed at one another, nothing derogatory, what have you. I I will tell you that I think that. Um, Sports on the developmental level, at least at the high school and, and probably into the collegiate level, a lot of these games are decided on which teams are locked in mentally, which teams are having the most fun, which teams are fired up, which teams want it more, which teams are playing with a certain energy level. And if guys are going to go out there and they want to raise a little bit of hell, as long as it doesn't, you know, cross the line, as long as it's nothing personal, as long as it's nothing verbally insulting or nasty or anything like that, my thought is if it's going to get your team fired up, then go for it. Like, I want players to have a little bit of dog in them. Like, I want dog, I, I want, I want players to have a little bit of, like, a little bit of bark, a little bit of nastiness. And the guy flipping a bat to me just isn't that big of a deal and I just look at it from a 17 or 18 year old's perspective it's something that that they don't really tolerate in in scholastic sports but it's something that I think that who the hell cares and I hate to go back to it and I'd say like if you don't like it don't give it up don't throw the the pitch center cut for the guy to womp 350 feet like that's that's kind of what I always revert back to so when I look at Tim Anderson specifically like yeah he like launches the bat at his his dugout his own dugout kind of puffs his chest out a little bit and has this like let's f and go thing about him but like I don't mind that I like the competitive nature of that I like that he's trying to get his guys fired up and frankly now let's take it to the major league baseball aspect of things. This is a game that needs to market its players, that needs to, to showcase its, their players' personality, that needs a little bit of pop. And you got a guy like Tim Anderson, who's this young, up-and-coming type of player, doing something that, that creates a little bit of buzz, gets people talking, gets, gets the, the morning talk show sports segments rolling a little bit. This is what the NBA is so successful with. This is what the NFL is so successful with. Now the MLB gets a guy that does it, gets people talking a little bit, and you want to punish him and say that, yeah, if he does that, he should be hit on his ass cheek. Like, it's just so archaic, and it's the problem with baseball. Let them have fun, and that's kind of where I'm coming from. Well, so, okay, so this is where I'm, this is my hedge. I don't disagree with you. I, I think that there is an element of fun to it. There is an element of, of enjoyment, and there is an element of getting the team fired up, and that's great, okay? But... I, I also don't think that you shouldn't that you should sit there and say the next time I come up, you, you the pitcher shouldn't be pissed off at me and shouldn't be throwing a ball inside on me or throw, or backing me off the plate. Like to me, that's also part of the game. Yeah, but then let me ask you this: when a guy gets a key strikeout, right, and he's pumping his glove and he's he's yelling into his dugout after he strikes a guy out, 
What's the hitter going to do? What what does the hitter do then? The What's his time, retaliation? What do you want him to do? You, you want him to take him deep, square one up, do your right. job. Do so your then job the, the, the next time. The flip side of out. that is then, then your pitcher, the one that just gave up that 380-foot homer that just got played out by the guy running the first base. Do your job. You don't have to hit the guy on the ass to, to prove your point, to be a tough guy. You want to be a tough guy? Make a better pitch. Scout better. <laughs> execute. It's it's ridiculous. Uh, no, I th- I come on. I think that there's I think there is an element of that as well. But I I think that the, the situation calls for it. And as as Mark DeRosa said, which is what, this is what I agree with the most. And he says, listen, he says it's hard, it's hard to get here. It's hard to it's even harder to stay here at this level. And when something like that happens, then it's all well and good. You want to do it. You want to celebrate. That's fine. Just be ready to to have somebody come at and look. If if Tim Anderson gets hit in the ass and just goes down the first base and doesn't say a word and just and just you know okay you got you you threw at me that's fine. Guess what? It never there nothing ever happens again. But what happens is is the batter then sits there, gets up, he's all offended, he's all fronted. You know, he just he starts chirping out at the at the pitcher. He even got suspended for saying something that he shouldn't have said, um, something that was racially charged. I mean, so what do you do? You're posturing again. So at some point, the, is it fun or is it look at me? And and that's where I that's where I have a problem with it. Okay, because I th- I th- I tend to think. That sometimes a a bat like when I when I see Odubel Herrera do a bat flip, I think he's just a, a goofball, funny kid who does a bat flip, and that's that's what he does, and that's fine. And I'm not just saying that because he's a Philly, because I think there are other guys who are kind of that kind of player as well. But I think when a guy does it in a regular again regular season playoffs is a whole different thing, right? I mean, that, you know, a home run in the playoffs that could kind of change the series or whatever. You let the emotion carry you there. That's a whole that's a whole another animal. Um, like Jose Bautista when he did it with Toronto, um, like that to me, that's okay. Um, but if you're doing it in April, I think it's more of a look at me. If you're gonna get up, if you're gonna have that kind of bravado, yeah. But like if that, Steph Curry hits a three in a in a basketball game, or James Harden does something goofy, or Joel Embiid's puffing his chest out as he's running down the court in the fourth quarter after a key basket, like what is that? Right, like, uh, well, I mean, and here's that's the thing. thing. And I know we're talking about two different sports, and we're also talking about one that's very traditional, right, and a little bit more conservative, versus uh, I think a, a sport that actually exists in the 21st century and understands how to to leverage itself to the masses. But like, what really, at the end of the day, what is the actual difference? I th- well, I think that I think that there's a big difference. I think that this, I think one of the the negatives when you look at at other sports, when you look at basketball, when you look at football, for you know, they're, they're the two that you're bringing up. I think that too much gets made of celebrations, so that that's all everybody wants to do. I don't disagree with you, but that's and, one and of so, the, the key well, pieces of organic marketing in these games. And I get it, but that's but but here's the here's the difference, Bob, is that in those sports you can mask bad play, you can mask not as good play. Because what's going to be marketed is the celebration, is the look at me stuff. In baseball, you don't really have those kinds of consistent plays because because it's a different kind of game. Like football, you can have a big play. Basketball, there are tons of three pointers and dunks, right? So you can you can hide bad play a little bit easier in 
basketball and football than you can in baseball. When there's bad play in baseball, it is spotlighted on you, man. And that is it. And it takes, you know, and for pitchers, it takes five, six, seven days, depending on the schedule, before you get another opportunity if you're a starting pitcher. Right. So, I mean, it's a, it's a whole it's a different world. That's not to say it can't happen. I'm totally fine with a bat flip happening and I'm and I'm OK with it being the way Tim Anderson did it. All I'm saying is just be ready and, and to sit here and say like Robert Flores to come out and say, well, this is a new generation. No, these this is nobody thinks that this should happen anymore. These suspensions should take forever now. I mean, you should be suspended for 10, 20 games now if you throw at somebody. DeRosa had a great answer. He said, how long has Brad Keller been in the league? Right? Brad Keller's a young player. He said, look, if all 750 players in Major League Baseball are on board with it, then fine. Then fine. He says, but 90% of the players are not on board with it. And that's because they are in the game themselves. They are playing the game themselves. They are at that level where the where the emotion is that high and where the pressure is greater than it is anywhere else. And the spotlight is sharper and, and more intense than it is anywhere else. So I don't have now. Look, if he's throwing at somebody's head, that you cannot do. You throw a you throw a a, a fast even if now it doesn't have to be a fastball. You throw a curveball and hit somebody in the ass with it, and just just as a little reminder, like yeah, I saw your celebration. Now go to stand at first base. We'll we'll see you next <laughs> time. I'm okay with that, and I would think you as a player would be okay with that too. I'm just saying that, just knowing you as a person and knowing you, you know, the way you, you know, you might be out as a coach or as a player on the field, I think you would kind of be okay with that too. Yeah, yeah I, I get it, you know, I, I get right? it. Right? Yeah. Just as someone that is a, a guy that inherently kind of likes to run his mouth a little bit and kind of stir shit up, like that's kind of what I am by nature, uh, you know, I look at it and go, go ahead, Tim Anderson, and, and you know, I, I do think that we are, like, Robert Flores... I'm usually the guy that will defer to the baseball player. I'll, I'll defer to the athlete, the guy that's been through it. But I get what Robert Flores is saying, too. Like, it's 2019. We need to be beyond throwing 97-mile-an-hour baseballs at a guy's hip or his head or his shoulder because you didn't do your job, like, because you didn't execute. And so, like, I do get that sentiment. I think there – I think – and I'm, I don't disagree with you, but I also think it's situational. If if Tim Anderson comes up, hits a home run, drops the bat, runs around the bases like Chase Utley used to do real fast, goes around right and scores, doesn't do anything, celebrates with his team in the dugout or something like that, and next time up Brad Keller throws at him, then I think Brad Keller is a, a mental midget. Okay? Right? I mean, because it's like, right, okay, sure. look, dude hit a home run off you, didn't have do, any do you think that, excessive that celebration. A high school, do you think a high school kid should be able to flip his bat? After no, a home run. I mean, so see, here's the thing. This is this is the this is now we're going on a whole different subject, Bob. <laughs> Enter <because>, my domain. <laughs> because you know what, bat flips wouldn't happen in high school if they didn't happen in Major League Baseball. Right. Okay. I okay. mean, so so I mean, when I played high school ball, I don't know about you, but when I played high school ball. You didn't show up the other team. Yeah, well, God knows I didn't have too many opportunities to show up the other team. So. Yeah, I was. I mean, I was not a home run hitter either. I was a singles and doubles guy. But I mean, still, I mean, it's, I was like, yeah, yeah, I was a three hopper to shortstop kind of guy. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but still, you don't, you don't, you don't ever, um, you know, you don't ever show up the other team. And, and even when I coached my son all through, you know, youth baseball, and even in a little bit into. Uh, uh, you know, in his, you know, t- uh, 18, 19 year old league um, with Legion, uh, you, you never, you never showed up the other team. 
you didn't. Ju- you just didn't do it. Yeah, and that it's, was- it's kind of interesting. There was a uh, situation in, in South Jersey. There's a uh, there, there's a big tournament, and uh, I don't want to I don't want to name specific teams or even the specific tournament, but uh, there was a game being played in South Jersey two seasons ago, and uh, a kid on a very prominent South Jersey program hit a home run and he crushed it. I mean, he off the bat, this thing was an absolute missile. And he launched his bat like I've never seen someone launch their bat before. It was wild. And it created quite a bit of an issue in the moment. And it was something that uh, the, the coach had kind of come out and condemned after the fact. His coach came out and kind of spoke against it. And, and some of the reporters, and you know how high school sports get covered, you're never going to be overly critical of an athlete or uh, of a team or anything like that. But it had created, I would say, a, a distraction for the team. Uh, the way that the kid flipped his bat, it was on Twitter, it was on video, it was something that kind of it got spread around pretty good. Um, and, and I kind of privately just took it all in and I said, eh, you know, like, kid, piece the ball up, like, go ahead, bud, you know, and I feel like that everyone felt obligated to say that it was wrong and it, you know, it was a selfish thing to do, but there was part of me that sat back and watched it and said, 17, 18 years old, and you can piece up a ball like that in that type of game, in that type of situation, can't hate it for it, can't hate you for it, so that's just sort of where I am in, in, in general, I think that that's just sort of how I'm personally designed, but I do get what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, that's all, I mean, I, oh, yeah, you asked me, if, like, that's what I'm saying, like, it would we never did anything like that, yeah. right? I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, I, and yeah, I'm 45, right? So I'm I'm going back, you know, 25 years, um, even a little bit 27, 28 years. There was no such thing as a bat flip back then. Yeah, <laughs> it just it just wasn't right. You 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 hit the ball and you ran, <laughs> and that was it. Even if you kind of knew that it was a home run, yeah, you might you know you might take a slower trot around the bases. That might have been the extent of your showing up the pitcher. But there wasn't any of this, any of this nonsense. Yeah. It just kind of. This is a new generation thing, and it doesn't mean that it wasn't fun. That you couldn't, you couldn't be a personality. You could certainly still have personality, right? You could, you could certainly do a, do all that stuff. That's totally. Fine. I'm not saying don't have personality. I'm not saying don't have, don't do a bat flip. Do a bat flip. That's fine. Just be prepared for what comes after it. That's all. That's all. That's that's my only take on it. And, and anybody who complains that they might see a see a, a, a ball hit them in the hip, no, no, don't flip then your back. So then. be it. Yeah. <laughs> if that's if you don't want to face that, don't 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 be demonstrative. Respect the game. That's all. So for the Phillies, we have what two more at City Field, and uh, then they come home finally off of what looks like might be a potentially disastrous road trip. Maybe they can salvage the back end of this thing and and get out of it alive. Uh, they come home, and I believe that they play four games starting on Thursday night with the Miami Marlins. That's a team that should be a sight for sore eyes. Uh, so that's what the Phillies have coming up the rest of this week. I would expect us to either be back next Monday or Tuesday night. Well, hey, the, hey, wait. Next yeah. Monday? Next Monday, Bob? Yes. There's, there's no game. It's the first day off, right? It's the first yeah, day first off day in off two, is, two weeks. Yeah, 17 days, I think they go. Yeah, so yeah, then so they're, uh, they host might- the Tigers the following day, yeah. Yeah, we might actually be able to record at a reasonable time. Probably not. Next week. Probably not. <laughs> Watch something come. Something yeah. will come up. Neither one of us won't be available on Monday night. And we'll say, ah, we'll do it after hey, the listen, game on I'll Tuesday. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what. It's 1247 right now. I still have a lot of pep. Like, I, this is about as up as I'm going to be <laughs> closing in on 1 a.m. right now. You know, I, I said it. I listen to our episodes every time, and I kind of, I'm pretty self 
self-critical. I'll, I'll text you like the day after and say like, ah, you know, I didn't do this or I, I think I was saying this too much or whatever. I said, I didn't have any energy last week. I got to bring a little bit more fire this time. So I loaded up on the coffee. I did a late night coffee right around 10 o'clock. I was trying to power through that Phillies game and uh, here we are. And I'm absolutely wired right now, and I'm a little bit scared how the rest of this night's going to go. So, <laughs> so what do we got here? Snow the goalie. Uh, it's always soccer oh. in Philadelphia. Yeah, all those. <laughs> yeah, well, all yeah. those. Yeah. yeah. All those, Crossing all Broad those. FC. Make sure that you check all those out. Follow us on Twitter. Yeah, you did good, Bob. Yeah. I don't need to say anything. Adding oh, you know what I forgot? To, yeah. Yeah. You know what I forgot to check though? Let me look real quick because I did say last week. Um, you know, I did the I did the Russ thing for the first time. And I said, uh, hey, leave us a five-star review. <laughs> and if you do, I'll we'll read yeah, on the you're show. Gonna make this, uh, you're going to make me cut this part of it out. When, and when guess we what? Yeah. We got one. Did you really? Did we, we really? Did. Yeah, okay, we did. Bob, you think I'm kidding? So we got one. That's why, so, it, you shall receive. Yeah. So I asked for it, and now I'll, I'll read it. So this one comes from uh, the Capo TC. Uh, five stars. This was uh, from Thursday. Uh, sent it on Thursday. Anthony and Bob bring exactly what you need every time. The negativity to keep you grounded and just enough positive vibes to pick you back up. My absolute favorite Phillies podcast and the one I can't wait to listen to. Gadzooks and Rage On. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. <laughs> I love it, man. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. I have no idea who these people are, yeah, right? I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah I think the first a, like I think the first review might have been like my mom and and then after that I really that was it, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we yeah. hadn't had one in a while. But now see, now so now if you, yeah, if you have a, if you if you find us on uh, on iTunes, leave us five five-star review and uh, and I'll read it. What uh, what the hell? There you all go. Well, there you go. Make sure that you check out all of the different podcasts in the Crossing Broad podcast network also be sure to check out broad lines with kyle scott myself and uh, jason zernicki of betnewjersey.com and uh thanks to phil goslin for yeah. hopping on and, and being part of the show we appreciate that as well and make sure when we tweet it out and when this goes goes live that we he actually has a, a twitter account so we can tweet it i think he's go. just at phil goslin so there you go that way he can uh, he can share it with uh, with all his uh, all his buds in the in the clubhouse and they can hear us rip a, rip them <laughs> yeah, yeah. That'll be who, who are these two guys again yeah <laughs> but uh anyway well that's it so uh, i guess we will see you next week so for bob i'm anthony saying thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next monday night